Good morning, everybody. Hour number two is upon us, and we're ready to crank it up for you here. See, I told you. All right, we have a special guest here this morning. You know who I am and what I do. We talked about all about that at the top of the program, so we're not going to go through that again. Um, but we do want to say some things about our guest, who is a good friend. Uh, he's a colleague, somebody I work with pretty closely because he serves as the president of Palmetto Family, and I serve as the chairman of the board. This is my final year being chairman. Uh, you get to be chairman for, for three years, and then we'll, we'll get somebody else to step in there. Um, but Dave's pretty excited about an event that's coming up March 18th down in Charleston. He's been working on, he and the others, Justin Hall and Mitch Prosser and Kevin Kaleo at uh, Palmetto Family, have been working hard to get this event put together. But it's called Vision 2024. And Dave, good morning. Come on in and tell us about it. Good morning, Tiffany. How are you this morning? Well, I'm doing well. You're, you're breaking you, up you, a little bit. You have... I'm, not, I'm breaking up. You're you're it's breaking up a little. Bit. Yeah, I don't know where you let me, are. Let me but... find a better. I'm I'm in the middle of Charleston of all places right now because there's some exciting events happening in Charleston today. Uh, okay. You got uh, Nikki, Nikki Haley getting ready to make her announcement today officially from the from the stand that she's going to be making a run for president of the United States, and so. You know, as as you and I know, the work that we do representing the Christian voice in, in South Carolina, uh, we try to make a presence at these types of events to let people know how important the biblical worldview is, how important it is for people to connect with people of faith across the state. That is one of the great things we're doing with the Vision 24 National Conservative Forum. It's going to be happening on a Saturday, March the 18th, down in the North Charleston Coliseum, sorry, North Charleston Convention Center. Uh, right there near the airport, we're bringing in some big names from across the country to talk about the real conservative viewpoints that we need to be having as we move into this 12-month period that is the um, the, the 12-month interview for the President of the United States, because we're getting ready to, uh, to launch into primary election season. Nikki Haley making her announcement today. Of course, Donald Trump made his a few weeks ago. Um, but there are there are other names that are beginning to float out there in the political ether, and so we're going to have uh, several of those as part of our day as we start talking about what do we need to be doing as believers and preparing for 2024 and the issues that we're going to be facing. Right. Um, and, of course, some of the people that are coming to speak, I know we've got Senator Kennedy from Louisiana. We have Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. We have uh, uh, Nikki Haley, who will be a presidential candidate by then because she's going to announce today. And then Senator Tim Scott. We, we're anticipating that he's going to announce a presidential run, but we don't know if that'll happen between now and then or if, if it will happen, but a lot of speculation is around that. So th- so that's a pretty right. good lineup, and we still have some folks out there that we're waiting to hear from that could uh, beef it up even more. Right. We're, we're just over a month away. I was down in Florida this past week, um, as you know. I was down in Florida meeting with some key folks that are down there who are part of the, the conservative movement. Uh, and speaking at the event that I was at was not only in person, Governor Ron DeSantis, who is being touted as a real potential uh, 2024 contender, but also phoning in after DeSantis speaks was President Donald Trump. So, and there's a there is a great possibility we're going to see some big names coming in for this event, and and really make it a place where we as conservatives 
gather ourselves together, we get ourselves geared up for what we've got to be doing for 2024. You know, the most important thing, Tony, in the political process for South Carolinians is to recognize how important our job is in picking the president of the United States of America. You can't get to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue without coming to South Carolina first. And so we expect these presidential candidates to show up at our churches. We expect them to come to our restaurants and, and eat with us and go to our town halls and have that handshaking retail politics. And that is, excuse the bus passing by here in Charleston as we're getting ready. Uh, but that's what we're expecting to see. And uh, that's the exciting thing we're going to be uh, launching as we start the 2024, Vision 2024 uh, National Conservative Conference, March 18th. That's a Saturday in uh, North Charleston. Okay. Um, we're also going to kind of stay over. We're overlapping with another event that's going to be going on down in Charleston that week. So we're going to be staying over. Uh, we've got a worship service plan for Sunday morning for those that may be coming in. Uh, that may come and want to stay uh, in Charleston for the weekend. And for those who may be coming in for the event, that's going to be the, the following week. So we'll have a worship right. service that day. And then uh, we're going to be the welcoming committee uh, for those coming in for the event after our event. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that is the Social Conservative Conference. is actually being put on by Focus on the Family, Heritage Foundation, the Family Policy Alliance, uh, and and Palmetto Family. Family Policy Alliance, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, is it used to be what was Citizen Link within focused on the family. The activist arm of right. what we is done with focus on the family and, and the partner organizations that we have, the forty family policy councils across South Carolina, just like Palmetto Family is here or the family leader in Iowa or Cornerstone Ministry in New Hampshire. Uh, we're all part of the Family Policy Conference Alliance. And so as a group, we're going to be hosting with Focus on the Family and Heritage Foundation, the Southern Conservative Conference. They nicknamed it SoconCon. Uh, that'll be happening March 20th to the 22nd um, in Charleston at the same exact location with some phenomenal speakers who are going to be coming in to talk about conservative public policy and what do we do on things like transgenders in our schools? How do we handle things like the effects of CRT, and how do we counter that with what's going on? How do we establish a biblical worldview in what we're doing in our communities across the country? And how do we turn around and have that impact what happens not only through legislation, but what happens also in the communities that we all live in? Things like what happens in your school boards and how those decisions get made, and, and really parental rights and involvement and the responsibilities that we have to love and care for and protect and guide and actually be the ones to indoctrinate and teach our children and not leaving that up to the government. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, uh, tickets are available without talking about the prices. Tell people how they can get a ticket to come to that event in Charleston and where they might stay should they decide to stay over. We are going to be, you can get tickets to the event. There are three levels of tickets. There's VIP premium and regular seating. Uh, for this event is an afternoon event, so it'll start right around. Uh, the doors will open at noon. It'll run till uh, about six o'clock on that Saturday night. A lot of speakers coming in and out. Great opportunity for people to meet. If you want to buy it, if you want to purchase a ticket, uh, you can go to palmettofamily.org. Click on the uh, link that says Vision 24 Forum, 
and you can uh, purchase your tickets right there. You can also, uh, we will be having posted up within the next couple of days, the uh, hotel code. So if you want to be able to stay over at the Embassy Suites, which is part of that complex in North Charleston, you can stay over at a reduced rate so that you can be a part of these events that are going on with all of us who are part of the uh, social conservatives that are making a difference as we get into 2024's election cycle. Excellent. Well, Dave, you're doing a great job leading Palmetto Family. We had our board meeting yesterday. Uh, A lot of good things are happening uh, with the ministry, with the organization. Uh, I want to thank you and Mitch Prosser and Justin Hall. And if if you haven't seen the podcast, you need to check it out. They have an excellent podcast that's getting a lot of buzz, a lot of talk in South Carolina and across the country. Uh, but you can go well, to, we, and I will. I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to, to host for you the other week while you were gone, because our oh. team came up to do that, and that was that was a lot of fun for us. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Well, you're welcome. Always glad to have you. You have a great day down in in Charleston. Enjoy uh, hanging out down there with Nikki Haley today, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Danny. Have a great one. All right. Um, there's some things you need to know about the Ohio train derailment. Now we haven't talked about that here yet. But I I wanted to wait until a lot of the information sort of had a chance to settle so that we could maybe better evaluate between the stuff that's sort of Internet, myth, legend, you know, stuff that is out there, conspiracy theory ideas, to kind of let that separate from the truth and what's actually going on. But in this case, it's going to be a little bit hard to tell you exactly what's going on because there are so many questions being raised about how much information that the people are getting about this train derailment is authentic. So let's start with actually what happened. A train derailment occurred at approximately 8.55 Eastern time, that's 8.55 p.m., on February 3rd in East Palestine, Ohio. Now, one of the things you need to know about that area it's about 75% conservative. Uh, it went very heavily for Donald Trump in 2020 and many of the people who live there. It, it, it's known in Ohio as being a, a, a haven or a, a very common area for a lot of conservatives. And some are suggesting that the media is ignoring this tragedy, which is affecting a lot of people's lives, because it's a conservative area of Ohio, and they don't want to bring attention to it. Uh, it, 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 it I, I have no idea if that's the motivation, but it is true that many elements of the mainstream media reported initially on the derailment, but they haven't asked any robust follow-up questions about the effects of the chemicals that were in a lot of the cars that derailed. That's that. That's the real story here, is it, it wasn't a, a passenger train. It was a train that was hauling um, a lot of, of chemicals, 150 train cars, and we don't know how many of them derailed. They, they haven't really released the actual number of the cars that were affected by the derailment out of 120, but we do know that 20 of the cars were listed as carrying hazardous materials. Approximately 50 cars were affected by the derailment, with the rest being uncoupled and removed from the scene. So they're estimating 50 cars, but but again, we don't know for sure. So on February 4th, East Palestine Interim Village Manager Tracy Spratt issued an evacuation order for all residents living within a mile radius of the scene. 
and that's because of the release of some of these chemicals that are, are extremely hazardous. Spratt's evacuation order explained that 50 train cars were already on fire. The evacuation was then followed by an emergency declaration by East Palestine Mayor Trent Conway later that morning. An update shared the afternoon of February 4th indicated that the chemical that is burning is called vinyl chloride, and it assured residents that the safety features on the rail car in question are operating correctly. Well, now, does anybody have an immediate question? How can the safety features on the car be operating correctly if it's on fire? Doesn't that kind of nullify the safety features if it's burning? A frequently asked question page compiled by the Columbiana County Emergency Management Agency and published on February 5th told residents of East Palestine that their health was not at risk, adding that short-term exposure to low levels of substances associated with the derailment does not present a long-term health risk to residents. Uh, Does that raise an issue? Does that make you want to ask a question? Like, excuse me, what are the short-term health risks? Are we at danger in danger now? The document they released said that vinyl chloride and other substances associated with the derailment exist in the air as a vapor, meaning they evaporate quickly and do not absorb into household materials. However, it did warn that some of the substances associated with the derailment may have spilled into the Sulphur Run, which is a river that provides water for the people of Palestine. And so they were going to be checking the toxin levels in the water. Good plan. I mean, you have chemicals that are dangerous going into the water supply. I think checking out the water supply to make sure that it doesn't have dangerous levels of these toxins to the people is a good idea. All personnel on the train were evacuated and remained safe. The agency asserted local, state, and federal responders in Norfolk Southern are on-site responding to the development Uh, Cars involved containing vinyl chloride, combustible liquids, butyrol uh, accelerate, benzene residue cars, all that uh, previously contained benzene, and non-hazardous materials such as waste, plastic pellets, malt liquors, lube, oil. So all of that is being watched and taken into consideration. Okay, the second thing you need to know is that a, a controlled release of chemicals was carried out to avert an explosion. After you've got these cars on fire, then the concern was that you were going to have, you know, multiple explosions that could affect the area. So on February 6th, the Office of Ohio's Republican Governor Mike DeWine released a statement informing residents that the vinyl chloride contents of five rail cars were was considered unstable, and could potentially explode. But don't worry, because all the safety features on the rail car, they're operating. The thing might blow up, and then the safety features would be blown sky high, but other than that, everything's fine. Don't don't worry about it. The vinyl chloride contents of all of the rail cars then needed to be burned. They need to have a control burn. So, it, it, they were going to conduct a control release, and that release would be they would burn the chemical. DeWine elaborated on the dangers posed by the controlled release, which involved the burning of the rail car's chemicals, which will release fumes into the air that can be deadly if inhaled. But, but don't worry. The safety features on the car are operating properly. And, and, and the only thing you need to worry about, 
You don't need to worry about don't worry about the water. Don't don't worry about the environment. Just hold your breath for the next 24 hours while we burn up these hazardous chemicals that if you breathe in could kill you. I mean, I mean, I think I'm reading that right. Um, he expressed concern that based on the current weather patterns and the expected flow of the smoke and fumes, those in the immediate vicinity of the accident site would find themselves in grave danger of death, while those in a slightly larger radius could face severe injury, including skin burns and serious lung damage. Grave danger? Grave is, danger. Is there any other kind? It, <laughs> you I said danger. You said grave danger. Sorry, we're doing a few good men. Um, two days later, DeWine's office issued a notice informing residents of the affected areas of East Palestine that they could safely return home because air quality samples in the area and the wreckage in nearby residential neighborhoods have consistently showed readings at points below safety screening levels for containments of, for contaminants rather, of concern. Third thing you need to know uh, about this, Norfolk Southern could be held liable. On Friday, the EPA sent a letter to Norfolk Southern informing the railroad company that it could be liable for the train derailment under the Comprehensive Environmental Response Compensation and Liability Act, also known as the Federal Superfund Law. If found liable, Norfolk Southern might have to pay for costs associated with cleaning up the accident site or to reimburse the EPA for the cost it incurred when doing so. Uh, according to the EPA, materials released during the incident were observed and, and detected in samples from Sulphur Run, Leslie Run, Bull Creek, North Folk, uh, Fork, rather, Little Beaver Creek, Little Beaver, <laughs> Little Beaver Creek 2, and the Ohio River. <laughs> in other words, all of the water that is in the area of, of this part of the country of Palestine, this community in Ohio, all of it uh, pretty much has been affected. In addition to contaminating several bodies of water in the vicinity of the derailment, the EPA observed toxic materials entering storm drains. Now, they continue to tell people there's nothing to see here and don't worry about it. And here's what the people are saying. The people are saying that there are thousands of dead fish, that there are pets, and that, and that a lot of the people are getting sick. They're experiencing diarrhea. Even after state and federal officials insured residents of East Palestine it was safe to return home, many residents of the eastern Ohio village raised questions about the impact of the chemical accident on their community. Uh, Senator J.D. Vance released a statement Monday saying he had heard alarming anecdotes about contaminated waterways and effects on wildlife. The Ohio Department of Natural Resources has estimated 3,500 fish in the 7.5 miles of waterways located in close proximity to the train derailment and chemical burn have died as a result of contaminated water. Tuesday, um, they said that 12 different species of fish had died in the aftermath of the chemical fire. Um, now, they said that the number didn't appear to have increased since the first few days of the burning, but a lot of people are reporting that they're having sore throat, headaches, a bad cough, and diarrhea. Um, so that's the same. Now, that's, that was symptoms that was reported among first responders, sheriff's deputies, state troopers, police officers, and they correlated with the symptoms 
that were being reported by people who returned to the area because they were told that it was safe, but apparently the chemicals in the air didn't evaporate the way they thought. Uh, at least these people don't think so because they're experiencing these symptoms. And what's really what's really weird about it, we don't know why the train derailed, um, and we had another train that derailed in Texas, uh, and same situation. Uh, not not as serious, but it's it still was um, you know a, a train derailment that involved chemicals. I'm looking for the story down here uh, because I know I put it in the queue. Well, I'll have to go back and try to find it here in a minute. But um, so th- then the question becomes: while everybody's attention is sort of focused on these shoot downs and sightings of uh, UFOs across the country then we've got all these people in a very conservative part of the country that are suffering from this Norfolk Southern derailment because of the chemicals that are in the water and in the atmosphere. And a lot of news media outlets, after the initial derailment story, they didn't do a very good job of follow-up. They haven't come back and asked the hard questions. And that's, that's part of the job of the media is to hold public officials in that local area accountable for what's going on on the ground and to be honest about it with the people so they can adjust their lifestyles or whatever they need to do to try to protect themselves from the chemicals that are in the water and in the air due to this train derailment. Uh, Another guy that's making waves is Representative John McCravey. He's the leader of the Family Caucus down in uh, the South Carolina House. And today's a big day because H3447 the Human Life Protection Act is coming up for debate in the House. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Dr. Bain. Appreciate you coming on the program. Tell us about uh, what you expect to happen today, what you think, to, how the thing will progress, how the bill will work its way through the House, and what is the future? Well, certainly we're going to have a lot of amendments put on this bill, and people are going to try to amend it and make it something that that can't be passed. And so we'll be fending off amendments all day long. Um, I expect, you know, uh, a lot of amendments, and I believe we'll we'll go at least till you know. I, I have no way to know how long we will go. Actually, we might go to the middle of the night. But the speaker said we're going to sit there until this bill is passed. So I I'm, I, I want to thank our speaker for for his steadfast support of life. I think the majority of Republicans in the House recognize that life begins at conception, and we do have a political reality, and that is that the Senate doesn't agree, you know, I think most of the House members would agree with me that we don't need exceptions for rape and incest, and it shouldn't matter how you are conceived as far as whether your life is valuable. It shouldn't matter whether you have a disability as to whether your life is has meaning. But unfortunately, the Senate doesn't agree with us on that, we know. And so we're, we're, we have exceptions in this bill. But, you know, it, it, that's recognizing some political reality. But right. this bill would actually would reduce uh, abortions by 99.5%. And that's, that's our goal in South Carolina is to, you know, end the practice of abortion being used as birth control. Right. And I, and I want to I be clear because I, I know some people were concerned about the fatal fetal anomaly um, exception that, uh, you know, it could be just for birth defects or birth, but it actually, it's it's narrowly in the bill defined as something that would prevent the baby 
un, under the um, uh, diagnosis of at least two doctors that the baby could not live outside the womb. So it's not Down syndrome. We're not talking about uh, club foot no. or things like that. This is something that would say that the baby can't survive outside the womb. And it doesn't mean that there would have to be an abortion at that point, only that the mother could make the decision to abort if that condition existed. You're exactly right. It has to be a condition where the child cannot survive outside the womb. Now, you know, I oppose that, but we've got it in there yep. because the Senate Insist. wants it to be in there. Yep. But, you know, I know there have been mistakes in the past. We've got two doctors that... Uh, to get a second opinion on it, but I still am, am opposed to it, but we have to leave it in there because that's what right. the Senate wants on that. Well, and I agree um, with you. I, I think I, I, we, you know and I know, and I talked about this earlier today, we, we could all talk about situations where we, we know people who were told that their baby couldn't live um, once the baby was born that is graduating from high school or going on to college or – because we're not clairvoyant, we're not divine, we're not, uh, you know, we, we can't know the future. And so I agree, That's but, you know, the back to a statement that you made, the political reality is for this to have a chance to get through the Senate, that's going to have to be in there because they insist. There's no question about that. And that may have been the only thing that prevented the Senate uh, that, that from tabling this bill at the very end of the year by one vote. So, you know, they tabled it by one vote, and we know that some people complained, some Republicans complained that that was not in the bill. So, we, you know, we have to recognize that. And we're, we're very close. You know, I think if, if we pass this, the Senate needs to take it up, and they need to, to try to pass it. And, and you know, I just, I, I'm just optimistic that we can get this done. Well, and what we're going to need to do, uh, Representative McCravey, of course, is, you know, it's going to take a grassroots effort. It's going to take all of us to get this. I think it, I, I agree with you. I'm confident that you and the leadership in the House are going to be able to get this bill passed uh, and get it over to the Senate. But then it's going to take all of us letting our senators know that we want life protected in South Carolina. And, and I talked about this morning putting pressure on the Senate and how to do that. It has to be done respectfully. You, you, don't, you don't get people to come over to your side by calling them names or labeling them in some way. You just need to say, we want to see life protected, and you need to contact them and, and keep up with this bill and keep the pressure, the, the respectful pressure on the Senate to pass it before the end of the session. That's exactly right. And uh, what you do is a, is a big part of that. You know, Palmetto family and Dave Wilson, they, they are going to work hard for this, I know. We are. And they've always helped us in the past with pro-life issues. Uh, South Carolina Citizens for Life, they're going to help us. Alliance Defending Freedom, the Baptist Cat Convention, the Catholic yep. Diocese. Yep. Even Students for Life are coming in and the Heritage Action Group. So we've got a lot of... We've got a lot of groups and a lot of people and a lot of pastors who want to get involved this time, and I think it can make a difference. Well, I tell you what, I want to pray for you today because I know it's going to be a long one for you. Um, that's not uncommon for you down in the House as uh, leader of the Family Caucus, but uh, and I know you're ready for it, but uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Father, I thank you for my brother, uh, John McCravey. I I thank you, Lord, for raising him up at this particular time for leadership in South Carolina when it comes to protecting life. I pray you would give him favor with the lawmakers that he serves with. I pray that we would be able to get this legislation passed and that we, we would be able to convince enough senators that we're in a terrible position, Lord, because in South Carolina now we, we have babies dying at a very uh, accelerated rate in, a, in abortion clinics because we're at 20 to 22 weeks of people being able to have an abortion. We, Lord, we, we need your intervention. We ask that you would give us favor and just the strength to stand firm and to see this come to pass. And we pray, Lord, all these things um, in the name of your precious, precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Amen. Thank you, Dr. Beam. I was hoping you would pray because that's, that's important. Oh, it's always. And uh, I'll be coming down today, and um, I'll, be, I'll be lifting you up and lifting up the legislation and just praying for God's will uh, as, we come, as I come to Columbia. So look forward to seeing you later today. Have a good one. Right here. Thank you. Yep. Uh, d- real quick, as we talk about the show, and uh, I, I want to thank you for being faithful listeners. <laughs> it, it's been a long time uh, that we've been doing this, about 21 years, and um, uh, with a with a, a break in there at one point for a short period of time. But uh, I- anyway, um, if you're a regular listener to the program, uh, when we hit the change date at March 31st, as I said earlier, we're, this show is going to continue in a different form. Uh, this, the talk format on this 89.7 and 91.9 is going to change, but um, I'll be doing the show via a website. And the reason I'm going to do that, I could just do a podcast and do an hour and put it up, and it would be easier really for me because – um, I, you know, I could put it up there anytime I wanted to, I could kind of schedule it so that I, I wasn't having, having to get up so early, but I'm so accustomed to it now that I decided there are a number of people that listen in the mornings and I don't want you to not be able to hear the program if that's when you normally listen. So what I'm doing is getting a website prepared where you can go to the website and listen to this program streaming live. Uh, You'll be able to, and and it's going to be from 7.30 to 8.30. We're going to cut it down to an hour because that's the normal length of a podcast. And I I don't want to have to do two hours and then do a podcast on top of that that would be more accessible uh, for people. And I know people are saying, well, just take the second hour. And yeah, but then you go, okay, what stories are you going to put in the first hour? What stories in the second? I just, I'm going to, we're going to boil it down to 60 minutes. Uh, There won't be any commercial breaks unless maybe if I have a sponsor, I might read a a commercial or talk about something, but um, not in the format that we have now. So you'll be able to stream that live on the website. Now, some of you are saying, well, but now, wait a minute. I listen to you in the car. I'm, I'm taking kids to school. I'm going to work, and that's where I get my information. Well, if, if that's you, um, and I need to talk about this probably around 7.30, quarter to 8 tomorrow because a, a, that's when a lot of people listen. But if you're accustomed to listening in the car, you'll, if you've got a smartphone, you've likely got a, a Bluetooth connection. Most cars you can connect your phone through your car radio. Uh, you can connect it up, and 
if if you've got the website and the live stream up on your phone, then it'll come through the car speakers and it'll be it'll sound like you're listening to me on the radio, just like you've been doing. Um, and you know, if you've got an older model car, you may need to get a plug for your phone that has a USB cable that can plug into the the car where you have a connection. Uh, sometimes. Uh, if, if older cars may not have a Bluetooth, Bluetooth capability, but most cars will. So that will be the way that you can do it. Now, you can also stream it, of course, at home or in the office or wherever you are, but the, the lot of questions that I get is, what am I going to do in my car? Well, th that's how you would do it. Um, it would come through the website. It could come through Facebook. It could come through YouTube, but the main thing would be, the car, uh, the, the, using the Bluetooth on the website to go through the car. All right, we'll tell you more about that as we get closer, but I just wanted to um, bring that up. Todd Starnes talked about the Asbury University revival, and we've mentioned it a couple of times on the program. We haven't really talked about it in detail. Um, the Asbury University is there in Kentucky, and it's a smaller uh, school, but it is amazing what is going on there. I mean, they, they're having a revival. And some people are being very critical about this. And I, I just don't get it because it's not emotionalism. It's not people doing this for show. I mean, we're talking about something that started with about 30 people who stayed behind from a chapel service. There was a, one, a, a student uh, evidently confessed some sin uh, to the, to the people that were in the chapel, and it, it so and after the service, people stayed behind, and that's now being going on for a hundred plus hours. Uh, it's just constant. I mean, if you if you were to go to the chapel now, <clears throat> you've got very few seats that are open, and there are people standing along the wall. There are people down at the altar. They're praying with each other. They're pouring out their hearts, and this is, this is a good thing. And we need to understand something. Move, unusual moves of God have always been accompanied by, you know, behavior that's out of the norm. I mean, it's not, it's not a, a normal everyday occurrence when you see all this number of students and the people that are participating, they're, they're praying, they're uh, crying out to God, but that's the way God often works. And we, we don't need to quench that. We need to encourage it and pray that it spreads to other places across the country. We need revival. I think Todd Starnes put it this way, our woke culture needs a great awakening. And that, that's a good way to put it because only with heart change, only with the, the power of God changing our lives can we see our country and our culture get better. We're very sick. We're sin sick right now. And the cure is what we're seeing at Asbury. It's a, it's a move, an unusual move of God. We should long for it. We should desire it. We should want to see it here in the upstate of South Carolina. I pray that it will come to North Greenville University. I pray that our students would catch fire and that this revival would, would begin to spread to other campuses and other places. You know, um, there, this article at Christian Post has several things that they make a point about here. Uh, when it goes beyond our ability or experience, sometimes we tend to doubt. Uh, 
When God called Moses or any other person by faith, it went against the natural reason and ability of the individual. If God's call can be accomplished in our own strength, it's not a call from God. I, I, I want to say that again. If God's call on your life, if you don't need God to accomplish the call that he places on you, that call didn't come from heaven. That call didn't come from God. Because God always chooses people that he then empowers. He doesn't go choose people that, are, that don't need him or, and, and of course we all need God, but I'm just saying that he chose David, the least likely of the sons of Jesse, to be king and empowered him because of his heart. You know, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. We know this. And so we, we, need, to, he, we need to understand and accept the fact that God empowers believers to do what they can't do on their own. And God's work always requires God's strength to accomplish it. And when God is doing a work by his Holy Spirit, we need to tread slowly, carefully examining the fruit by his word. God's not going to carry us um, beyond what his written word says. I mean, one of the ways you can tell whether this is genuine is if the people are responding in a way that corresponds with the word of God. If they begin to step outside, then something's amiss. But so far... In this particular revival, this is just a people crying out in prayer, confessing, calling on God to empower and strengthen them. When and, and then the second reason that sometimes we doubt when we see this is it goes against our rational mind. You know, we can fall in the danger of ignoring what the Spirit of God desires in a revival. One way we can position ourselves is by humbly praying, God, please send revival. Do it how you want, when you want and whatever way you want, and with whomever you want. Or at the very least, we can come to God asking him to bend our wills to his own. You know, I've long, there, there's a movie coming out, maybe it's not a coincidence, uh, that's going to be about the, um, the Jesus movement, that I, I'm, I'm excited about that movie. Uh, I want to see it, because I've, I've read the book, so to speak, and read several books, in fact, on the Jesus movement and how I think an entire country missed out on maybe a great awakening. You know, there's a difference between a revival and a great awakening. A, an awakening affects a country. It affects a culture. Um, a revival can be localized in one place, but an awakening, awakening is when that revival spreads to an entire people. And we are so desperately in need of this. And I think we we were having that a nationwide revival among young people, but because it happened with a people group that a lot of people questioned, then they questioned the revival or the movement or the awakening. And I, I, I really resonate with this prayer. Lord, do this however, wherever, whatever, and with whomever you will. Let's let, but whatever, let's have revival. Third thing, when it's something new. John Wesley, early in his ministry, started doubting the work of God in his midst. He was later part of the great Methodist revival in England. In his journey, we read that he said, We met at Fetter Lane to humble ourselves before God 
and own he had justly withdrawn his spirit from us for our manifold unfaithfulness. We acknowledged our having grieved him by our divisions and above all by blaspheming his work among us, imputing it either to nature, to the force of imagination and animal spirits, or even to the delusion of the devil. So the work of God was so powerful and, and new that even Wesley doubted that this was a work of God. Don't doubt that God is moving just because God is doing something new. And when I say new, again, I'm not talking about outside the bounds of Scripture. I'm talking about humbling people. You know, I've, I've had a taste of this. I tasted it at Promise Keepers, the march in Washington in 1996. And if you ever get close to what is happening at Asbury, you will desire it. <laughs> you, you want it. In, in your heart. Um, you know, he, Wesley went back and wrote, In that hour we found God with us as at first. Some fell prostrate upon the ground. Others burst out as with one consent into loud praise and thanksgiving. And many openly testified that there had been no such day as this since January the first proceeding. So God poured his mercy out on a people that were genuinely seeking him. I pray that this Asbury revival will spread and that we'll all experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where we turn to him in revival. Have a great day. I'll see you in the morning at 7 o'clock. Hope you'll join us.